The following is the ninth episode of the Philip Deterrent podcast, where I interviewed William Hill, the CEO and founder of FruitPro, someone who's been in the fruit and vegetable industry for many decades, comes from a family that's been dealing with uh, the distribution and management of fruits and vegetables, which make up, as he said in this podcast, around 60% of global calories. So he's someone that's actually helping the whole world eat in a massive way. Like he's somebody that manages supply chains and understands the whole backend system of how it is that there's food in the supermarkets, how it is that there's food uh, in the shops, how it is that there's food on our plates. And obviously such an important thing, all of us need to eat. And um, we spoke a lot about how that supply chain and how that whole industry works, the problems it has, and if you're just patient and you listen to the end and you really pay attention to what William says, um, as I point out in the podcast, I believe that with FruPro, which is the company that he's working on right now that you raised funds for, I think twice now already, he says, there's potential in solving world hunger, right? Really, like I really think so. You, you Obviously, you make your own opinion. You listen to him, see what he says. But from my understanding from this conversation, I really believe FruPro could solve world hunger, really, no, no joke. So um, let me know what you think about this and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the podcast, William. Thank you. Um, I will let you do the introduction for yourself. How about you tell us, you know, who you are, what you do and why you decided to, uh, to come and speak with me today. Cool, thank you very much. Well, Philip, firstly, thank you for inviting me. Um, pleasure to, uh, to join the podcast. Um, yes, yeah, so my name's Will. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of FruPro which is the world's, will be the world's largest B2B marketplace uh, for fresh produce trading. So fresh produce meaning fruit and vegetables. Um, and it basically is end-to-end -end supply chain connection, grower, importer, exporter, wholesaler, multiple retailer, retail, food service, and everything in between. So my background is all fruit and vegetables. Um, <laughs> I come from a, a long, a long heritage. Um, I'm actually the fifth generation of um, family business, which still exists today. But that family business is um, centered purely around wholesale. So mm -hmm. um, my grandfather, great grandfather, and great great grandfather, they own stalls, uh, shops and uh, retail pitches across London, northwest London into west London. And then we became um, purely wholesale centric. Um, about 30 years ago. So mm -hmm. when I finished my schooling, I went straight into the wholesale market, worked for the family business. And for me, you know, an amazing, an amazing industry. I love fruit and vegetables, um, especially fruit, hugely passionate about the product itself. And I was fascinated by the journey of the product. So mm -hmm. while I was in the wholesale market, looking around and thinking, you know, how did this amazing product get to us? What was it? What's the story here? You know, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, um, I embarked on a bit of a, an import adventure, um, which, you know, took me through a significant part of my education, I believe, in the fresh produce industry. So started, um, when did I, start? I was in the import section for about six years. And then in 2016, I founded my own company, uh, WT Hill Imports, which I founded with co-founder and now CEO of that company, Damien Whedon. Um, that's going into year six. It's a very progressive company, a lot of amazing opportunities there. 
Uh, we have an office in Zaragoza. We had a head office in Tewkesbury near Cheltenham and an office in Kent. So strategically very strong positions. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, we, like I say, we've done extremely well. Um, but what I wanted to create, the impact I wanted to leave was not just to, you know, my own heritage, own businesses. I wanted to leave an impact and a tool that the entire industry could use globally. Mm -hmm. How we could really tackle major issues, you know, issues of bad debt, issues of wastage, issues of people not being aware of the product available to them around them. Mm -hmm. And also that businesses aren't aware of the opportunity to redistribute, uh, even donate product that, you know, is going in the bin. And while mm -hmm. we've got, you know, such a huge wastage problem on one side, we have another problem of hunger, you know, even mm -hmm. the yeah. where I'm based, you know, there are yeah. millions of people who are food insecure, which, you know, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Our system, as much as I love our industry to pieces, is very dear to my heart. Our, our, our system is clearly broken if we can't strategically and easily manage that uh, volume and put it back into the food chain. So mm -hmm. I, um, yeah, designed Fruitpro and away we went. Um, so Fruitpro is now, I founded it in 2020, January 2020. Went mm -hmm. through a pre-seed round, um, which was very successful. We're now launched, active users, and we'll be going for our seed round. Yeah, we'll be going for our seed round this year. So it's exciting times. Hopefully, we'll That's amazing. Good, good stuff happen. It's incredibly impressive. I mean, like anybody who manages to raise funds for a business, that is very hard. You know, like this is like it it's is, a, yeah. only a small fraction of businesses that actually get fundraising and you know mm. so this is already very impressive uh, but you. before we dive into FruPro, which is obviously mm. a very interesting subject as someone someone who has so much experience and knowledge of literally how we feed ourselves you know fruits and vegetables is a big part of, <laughs> of how we feed ourselves today like i what percentage is it of calories like if you were to say like fruit and vegetables of the calories of the world what percentage is fruit and vegetables roughly in your opinion well last time i was chatting to someone about this it was difficult to so fresh fruit and vegetables i mean you could include frozen you could include dried um it's everything pretty, yeah globally. Well, globally well into 60 70 percent as a guess I'd imagine. oh wow yeah, I'd wow say that's huge, crazy huge amount of product i mean fruit and vegetables. more than half the people mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure i mean yeah, I'd say comfortably, including frozen, uh, including even some sort of processed fruit and vegetables, every human being in the world would have come in contact with it at some point. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, and it's it's massively impactful. Um, you know, it's hugely beneficial health-wise as well, but the impact isn't just for how we eat. The impact is also on how we're farming it, land usage, water usage, all of these things. There are improvements to be made. and. I believe technology um, will allow us to make those improvements. I myself am mm -hmm. not technologically minded or from a tech background, but I believe in the mm -hmm. power of tech for good. And uh, I think yeah. that it's, a, it's a very useful tool for us to um, to use and, and, and use to our advantage. So it's exciting to see what the future holds for that. For sure. So back, back to, in terms of the calories, I think it's a very interesting way to compare. I mean, if it's 50 to 60% of food, of calories in the world come from fruit and veg that's like more than every second person in the world lives off fruit and veg so this is how important you know this industry is and i think before we dive into you know technology and fruit pro and how that connects with the supply chain of literally how 
at least half of humans eat. Um, can you tell us about how that system actually works? You know, if you can give us an understanding, you know, how how do let's say people in Ireland or England or Spain are able to, you know, have fruits and vegetables from all around the world? How does it work? And how do you even manage this? Like you, you guys have been managers for for a long time. How does yeah. how does it work? So supply chain management, um, great question. To be fair. Um, you know, so if we if we take the UK and Ireland as an example, it's hugely import centric nations. Um, you know, we've got big, especially the UK, massive populations that have uh, a demand and a requirement for good product 12 months of the year. And, you know, what happens is, is that growers are aware of this opportunity. So you will grow a product um, to a specification that fits that marketplace. So for an example, you know, you know that these varieties of strawberries or bananas or whatever was only really one variety of banana um, mm -hmm. produced for consumption now. Uh, Cavendish. Cavendish, exactly. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that they know what size is, they know how ripe it is to come into the country, they know how what the consumption looks like, they know what the price point looks like. And it's just about managing that. Um, but, you know, you speak to a grower, um we're managing the expected sales of a product in the uk we're managing what we think the product's going to look like when it arrives to destination which of course is you know we, it's the most highly perishable product probably in the world i imagine fruit and vegetables mm -hmm. it's it's deteriorating yeah. from the point of um harvest mm -hmm. and you know it's all about getting that product onto the shelf or into the food chain effectively and quickly um so that you're managing the expectation through the supply chain all the way to the consumer. The consumer is getting what they want and they believe they need uh, mm -hmm. and what they demand. And then through that chain, you're communicating the information um, all the way back up to the grower who, again, you're managing their expectation as regards to price point, volumes, sales, all that sort of thing. It's like um, there's quite a lot of brokerage and quite a lot of relationship management that, uh, that goes into it. But um, essentially, it's understanding the product and understanding your marketplace and that's you marry the two together you have a fairly successful recipe for uh for supplying a country with a product and then of course you have national production um which is which is fantastic places like spain have huge production um 12 months of the year you know fantastic varieties of products um because of the climate because of mm -hmm. growing techniques um you know and they obviously supply their home markets really 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 well um mm -hmm. and then they will also top up with importation products so there's a 12-month supply of lemon or orange mm -hmm. or whatever else so they just understand their gaps and fill them with the uh, with the required product so yeah it's a global network of moving hundreds of thousands of kilos of fresh fruit and veg you know daily weekly it's it's happening all the time it's 24 7 um you know the product is dictated and controlled by the weather so it's probably mm -hmm. the most volatile volatile production stage it's not in a controlled environment at all really uh there are some you know indoor growing and stuff like that that helps but mm -hmm. in the main it's it's pretty pretty uh pretty much left up to the elements which is why it's such an amazing industry and an amazing product mm -hmm. it can change in a matter of days um you know product supply can be numerous or not not at all um mm -hmm. and that can go for demand as well so it's just about gauging gauging those things 
And how do you manage? So this is a, a very interesting way to see like, how does it actually work? What happens if, let's say you have a farm, um, I don't know, in South America of uh, bananas or oranges, uh, any kind of like fruit that you would get from South America. What happens if there's like a climate event and suddenly um, 80% of that crop is gone? How does yeah. that then impact upstream of the of the supply chain or, da or downstream of the supply chain how does that impact you know the i don't know the, the fried the fried ships too because this is all on fried ships right so it's all yeah, massive yeah. ships it's all yeah, massive ships out. that deliver this stuff how mm -hmm. do you do you manage this do you do you manage the adaptation like if, if there's a situation like this how what happens yeah i mean to give you you know like live examples we my import company wt hill Mm -hmm. that concentrates on soft fruit so you have to be very reactive in that process so soft fruit is grown on a herbaceous plant um if there's a severe climatical change and you know something really bad happens and the volumes just aren't there you will obviously look around geographically for what else can replace that so in the spanish season later on you may be able to find some portuguese fruit or you may be able to find some polish fruit if the demand will um you know will suffice with the parish point that these people are going to need so mm -hmm. programs are programs they're one thing but you really have to understand the relationship towards fresh produce if the product is just not there it is just not there and mm -hmm. i think for me the education has to go down to the consumer for this a little more like i don't believe that your fruit bowl should look the same 12 months of the year i don't think mm -hmm. that your fridge um, your fruit and veg drawer and your salad drawer should look the same 12 months of the year. I believe there should be some more seasonality in the way that we're eating and the way that we're understanding that, yes, this is a living product. You know, it is that that's something that's been grown, loved, picked and packed for us to consume. And in that process, things do go wrong. So if there aren't blueberries or there isn't citrus or bananas on the shelves 12 months of the year, there's probably a good reason behind that. And I think if we can not just manage expectation, but also manage information better, then I think the consumers are going to have a high tolerance to, oh, do you know what? Like, you know, there was a, you know, an avalanche or like there was a rock slide on this, you know, whatever the, the farms just can't operate. And mm -hmm. you know, fair enough. Like that's, that's, that's what it is. But I think we're our consumer world and the way that we, we try and manage the supply chain is that we must, we must, we must have product. You, you almost sort of, you make a panicked decision a lot of the time um bad okay. business is done that way wastage comes that way where you you know you've got a product just to fill a gap and it's just not fit for purpose but it's ticked the box and mm -hmm. sometimes i believe that that's 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 the mismanagement uh because of the misinformation that we've got in our industry question on that maybe a silly question right so how is it right let's say let, there's many 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 fruits that are seasonal right mm. how is it that we manage to have as far as i'm aware and again i think this could be a silly question <laughs> how can we manage to have all kinds of fruits available all around the year in the developed mm. world and do we and like, enlighten me on this and how yeah. if we do how i think we do um there isn't much fruit really you can't get hold of like within reason uh 12 months of the year um how do we get it we come from so many different sources um you know in a developed world um we'll take spain for an example you can have product 12 months of the year because of your own national production because of the appetite to import to that country as well um mm -hmm. 
it's got a big population, um, very secure, a secure economic uh, structure. Um, the population do consume a lot of fresh produce traditionally and going forward. So it there, there's a business opportunity there, right? So bananas is a great um, a great example. That is just a 12 month of the year product. Um, other products that are following that avocados, blueberries, these are like those superfoods that are just really there 12 months of the year. And it's because of the amount of, you know, the amount of the, the, the numerous sources that we have to extrapolate that product, but also the fantastic growing techniques that these mm -hmm. sources have in order to stage harvesting, stage ripening, um, concentrate on some varietal changes, how the product should be transported, how it should be stored. So that's pretty much how we have a 12 month of the year production um things that are slightly more volatile like berries for an example that can be tricky for a 12 month supply <laughs> of good quality product um wherever you are in the globe that's more of a seasonal seasonal product um mm -hmm. and we've got numerous sources for that it's just the perishability of the um <laughs> of the product itself that makes it a little tricky but yeah to answer your question if if it's a fairly hardy well well-researched and well-documented products you you've got a good opportunity to you know supply globally 12 months really and using growing tactics right so so basically yeah. so basically you get around the the seasonality of a fruit by mm -hmm. growing tactics so you you figure out how to grow it in a way where it can kind of like become independent of the climate is that right so well, yeah. how, how does that work um i mean yeah again being independent of the climate you take advantage of the climates that you're in obviously um for things like banana production um we'll use the uk as an example for some of our own production we produce uh, very very high quality strawberries mm -hmm. um most of the strawberries as a percentile the very high percentage of strawberries are actually grown on hydroponic tabletops so they're not actually mm -hmm. grown in the ground itself it's mm -hmm. hydroponic tabletop which um has fantastic mulch it's reusable you can use that mulch back into the ground it's a lot easier for production you know the fruit is growing at around waist height so picking is so much easier than obviously bending down and cutting it um mm -hmm. you've got a lot of airflow through the bottom of the fruit through the bottom of the plant it's a fantastic um way of growing fruit but we're taking advantage of that technique to give us polytunneled fruit so polytunnels are those plastic tunnels that sort of create a warmer environment and protect from the rain mm -hmm. you know your production is really affected more by light levels than anything else um and that's 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 your sort of i suppose as far as growing techniques go you know understanding your environment understanding what protection procedures you need do you need polytunnels do you need do you need some airflow going through there? Do you need do you need all of these sorts of things? There's a lot going on at the moment and exciting spaces like vertical farming, um, farming underground using UV lights, stuff like that to, to grow salads. That it's exciting because those are fully controlled. Um, mm -hmm. They're not at huge scale, but uh, but it's exciting to see these sorts of product projects as well. But to answer your question, yes, it's uh, it's farming techniques. It's how how well you farm and how well you use the uh, natural resources that you've got um mm -hmm. and how well you use your geographical location and your product selection as in what you grow um mm -hmm. and that, that's the trick to it really and what do you think you know from your knowledge a pretty extensive knowledge of the system 
what do you think are its main, let's say, deficiencies or, or, or problems? And what kind of impact do they have on, on our life and what kind of impact they could have in the future? You know, if things get yeah. worse from a climate sense, war sense, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's extremely impactful, our industry. Um, you know, what I'd like to see, you, you, you want to know that the land that you're using is being used to its fullest potential, its optimal potential. So devastating to see when a crop is perfectly fine it's you know it's being grown for a program or it's being grown for a purpose but the program or purpose whether it be political or you know like we were just talking about the you know the war if there is a marketplace that's then disappeared and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tons of product that was destined for that marketplace is now no longer there or no longer requires it what happens to that product mm -hmm. a lot of times goes to the bid but actually, there are so many more opportunities out there to redistribute that product, not just to, you know, redistribute and not see it again, but redistribute it and sale, uh, introduce products that people weren't aware of previously to, you know, making your diet a little bit more broad, making it more seasonal. So that's that's our opportunities there. And we miss them a lot. And then I think the very reason why is because as an industry, we're fantastic at moving product but we're very, very inefficient at moving information. And that's, mm -hmm. that's our problem. Um, ah. we, we miss those opportunities because mm -hmm. no one knows. You're like, oh, I don't know someone in there. So uh, uh, how, how do I find out? How, how, how would I know where to go and even start to look for that? And that's just not available at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. and obviously, my own project is to, I've been seeing that time and time again. My own project is to say, right, you're looking for someone. Um, let's just say if you're looking for someone we'll take ukraine as an example you know all the mm -hmm. circumstances that are over there their marketplace absolutely devastated and and, and with russia as well you know market opportunity mm -hmm. there are dwindling massive amounts of volume goes there from um from numerous sources all over the world fresh produce now where mm -hmm. do you re-divert that to do you go to holland do you go to poland do you go southern europe uh, are you looking more towards western europe what what's what's your What's your gut? What's your aim? How do you do that? How do you position yourself? Mm -hmm. Where's the, and how do you know who to speak to and offer this product to? How do you know how to mm -hmm. get it there? Mm -hmm. Those infrastructures are actually there because, as I say, we can move product really, really well as an industry. It's just the moving of information that we find difficult. So that's one inefficiency, and I think that leads back to then, you know, land usage not being optimized, huge amounts of water being wasted on irrigating the product. Um, the impact quite simply won't, is not sustainable um, if we don't figure out a way to make sure that more product is entering the food chain it's not a sustainable model it too much food is wasted for lack of a better word not actually knowing what to do with it not having the information and knowledge to be able to redistribute that so I think that's probably our biggest fear at the moment is that if we continue down a path where we continue production and continue to mass produce product and you know we're relying on well i'm just going to grow it and once i shut the farm gate that's the end of its journey that's mm -hmm. actually not true we do need to make sure that the full supply chain is understood and that mm -hmm. everybody is held accountable and everybody is participating in making sure that as much fresh produce as possible humanly possible enters the food chain and doesn't go to waste that's that's got to mm -hmm. be that's got to be our drive um 
and yeah i mean that that's global that it's a global issue population is growing globally. we must be so we're growing we're growing product fantastic product we need to grow better we need to adopt technology in order to make us more efficient in that efficient in market choices in what product you're growing for and why what the destination is you know understanding the landscape quite literally of what that looks like for you as a producer and then also as a marketeer like what does the marketplace look like how mm-hmm. if that marketplace disappears do you react what's your plan b c and d i think is mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is key for that so basically what you're saying right and you correct me if, if i'm wrong that up to now like throughout human history we've been basically running these massive food supply chains right and mm. we were kind of very confident that like it will always be fine right and when mm. a big emergency or situation happens rather than having the information and the readiness to deal with it which we actually would be able to deal with it because yeah. we don't have enough information about how the entire supply chain and the uh, the entire like movement of fruits and vegetables around the planet from the growing place to the consumer because we don't have enough information uh, to and enough communication between it we are not ready for major global crises when it comes to food is that basically the in a, in the a nutshell the, absolutely and the keyword communication um keyword is that um communicating understanding who you're dealing with you know there are very very good reliable sources out there um and having having that information to communicate and uh and solve a lot of these problems quite quickly is going to make make a massive impact i'm sure of it wow so william so you're saying right with fruit pro you're going after this problem so first of all before we dive into fruit pro let me tell you there's a lot on your back if you if you just yeah. if, who, whoever thinks about this whole situation, uh, like in a, like spend some time to think about what we're talking about, right? Cause uh, mm. this is like a, this has such deep implications, right? On, really on especially the poorest people around the world, especially mm-hmm. those, especially those people. Like I, you probably heard that there's a very high likelihood of a food crisis in North Africa because of the Ukraine Russia war, right? And this mm. is from what you're saying. And uh, you know, we, we have, a, we have a food waste problem and, and, a. a poverty food poverty problem at the same time so it's obvious, like you must be right that like if you could just figure out a way to move that food more efficiently from one way to the other you could mm-hmm. potentially solve world hunger so okay do you think fruit pro in the best case scenario and this is a kind of crazy question uh, however long it takes could solve world hunger do you, uh, do you think that's possible i absolutely 100 percent believe without any any doubt in my mind that through pro will enhance every relationship to fresh produce that's that's what i'm going out to do so world hunger being solved i i you know would i say that as a statement i don't know is the statement for that but what i do know and 100 believe in that it enhances every relationship to fresh produce and that for me is always there's three pillars there the environmental relationship so it makes a better environmental relationship because it's there's more there's more information there's more ways out there there's you're getting more product into the food chain economic so we're seeing new market emerging we're seeing marketplaces take africa for an example that have exciting opportunities that should be taken taken into consideration when growing and 
I think social, that's our last pillar. So the social responsibility that we have as an industry is to make sure as many people as possible are eating fruit and vegetables, regardless mm -hmm. of price point, regardless of where you are in the world. If at source, you're understanding that, you know, this conflict is causing major disruption in our normal marketplaces, we couldn't possibly put product there. However, there is a major crisis brewing in North Africa. Um, you know, we need to get fruit down to Morocco. I mean, we get so much product from there. There's surely got to be someone there who's got an answer to our logistical challenges to getting product across that continent. That's, you know, the top part of that continent. How it's just that moving of information. I fully believe that FruitPro will solve those issues by just connecting people in the right way, understanding the nuances of the industry but also being able to make those informed decisions, you know, mm -hmm. no point sending four week old blueberries that are going to take another week to get to the Northern um, African marketplaces. That's just a ridiculous thing to do. But if you've got something long life and it's already been harvested, onions, potatoes, carrots, whatever, you haven't got the marketplace over there for them. We've got data that tells us if we store these, we've got, you know, three months, if we store these correctly. You can take them down you can put the you can enter into these marketplaces yes okay the price point may be different but surely that's better than disposing you know increasing our carbon footprint by you know producing so much product that we are going to landfill with it that we don't know what's we're, we're, we're just you know mulching it back into the the earth which effectively only takes us so far and it's there's so many opportunities there so for me the big global statement is that FruitPro will enhance every relationship to fresh produce. That's that's what I, I'm setting out to do. How does FruitPro work? Can you explain to the audience basically, like yeah. it, we've been kind of mentioning the name and like mentioning yeah. the problem it's going to solve, but we never would dive into like, okay, how does it actually mm. work? So it's basically a network um, and it's all B2B. So it's business to business. It's not for consumer just yet so mm -hmm. the supply chain has a number of different businesses on it so we'll start from the top a grower if you're a grower you can be on fruit pro you can have a profile uh, we will have a profile you'd have a profile you'd be able to list what you grow uh, details of the varieties details of your harvest time production time what formats you'd like to pack in how accessible you are and where you are geographically so that's you you're a beacon of light you've got a product that the world needs there's importers and exporters on the on the platform as well. Same thing. They've got profiles. They've got company histories. They've got what they import, what marketplaces they go to, how they would like to see the product um, packed, what due diligence they need in order to get that product onto the shelves uh, or into the wholesale markets. Then we go to wholesale. So that's probably the next stage after import in the non-supermarket world. Wholesale then are there, they've got profiles and wholesalers are looking at how many more suppliers can I get that are useful, but also how many more customers, my supplier and buyer list, how do I make that more expansive, more enriched? FruitPro does that. It sort of takes what you've got already, which is very, very traditionally ran, um, huge amounts of communication through like things like WhatsApp, text, phone, fax even. You know, so many different mediums for communication, nothing is consolidated and is actually active for live trading. And FruitPro mm -hmm. just lets you demonstrate, okay, I'm a wholesaler, 
you yourself live in Barcelona, one of the best wholesale markets I've ever been to. And I've been to most uh, in Europe. Um, Mercabana, it's got an array of product that is just out of this world. Um, the atmosphere in there is fantastic. Like I say, the product lines are just, you know, unbelievably good. And more people should know about that. You know, not, you don't have to just go to who, who are they supplying? So we go to the end of the chain where we have the retailers who are supplying the consumers. We have restaurants, we have food service. They've also got a profile. So it's linking these people together, understanding how they can scale their businesses, how they can operate in a more efficient way, how they can benefit from understanding what marketplaces are doing. And like I was saying before, it then helps us move information instant, you know, that instant mm-hmm. information moving up and down the supply chain, that's going to create a, a lot more. We're going to see so much more efficiency um, in, in the uh, in the entire supply chain, and that will impact us environmentally, economically and socially in a positive way. And that's 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 the goal for it. So tell me, we you, you told us you know how it's going to work with FruPro. how does it work today before FruPro? how do how does uh how do all these various players in our literally yeah. supply of food you know this is, such, yeah. this is such a big deal you know the supply of how we eat right which is why we survive why there's no hunger games you know uh, yes. out here in barcelona and uh, and yeah. uh, in, in england like this this is the reason why we don't have hunger games um mm. it's because we have all of these players all these growers distributors wholesalers uh, yeah. All of them dealing with food. To, without FruPro, how 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 is it done? How how do how How's am I if, if I if mm-hmm. I'm a I own a supermarket and I need to get like t- tomatoes from Argentina? I don't know if tomatoes grow in Argentina, but a random example. Yeah. Well, how yeah. do I go about that? You know, mm-hmm. how does it work? Your first step, really, um, look through your network, your own individual one. Um, networks are very much siloed. Um, information is kept quite close to chest. Uh, if you know someone, ring around, Google it. Um, so no, no system, no, <laughs> no, no technological, just I mean, like it, literally like anything. Right? Anything, anything you can think of. I mean, I, I myself as a young importer trying to find product from Peru even. And South America is a fantastic, fantastic source of fresh produce. But, you know, you go and speak to the Chambers of Commerce and say, look, uh, do you know any growers of this, please? Because I'd like to bring it to the UK. Yeah, sure. Um, and then they'll introduce you and then you've got to talk to them. Do they speak Spanish? Do they speak Portuguese? What what's the requirements for them as for you know, what KYC do they want? So they want to know me as their customer. I need mm-hmm. to know them as a business. So what KYB do I have on them? Do I know if I send these guys money, are they gonna send me my product? Mm-hmm. And it's and, and now still to this day, that's still pretty much the process. If you're looking for a new supplier of anything you can attend fruit fairs things like fruit logistica in berlin fruit attraction in madrid they're fantastic fairs in the in the european marketplaces they, they are very global as well but you go there you walk past something you might be lucky enough to see something you like and need as a buyer speak to the right person and then you get the product but all of the scenarios need to fit perfectly for you to probably start commencing trade let alone develop that into a good working relationship so it's very very traditional um i love the fact that it's relationship based however that's not really scalable if you're thinking about how do i 
like you say, if you were just to start up now, okay, I want to be involved with fresh produce. What should I grow where I am? I'm going to grow tomatoes in in um, Spain. Who are you going to sell them to? How how are you going to go through that process? Do, who do you know to be like? Oh, where where do I go with these then? Do do I just take them to the supermarket front door and drop them off there? What's what's the process? Mm-hmm. How does it work? And you really have to be so ingrained with the industry and know a lot of people to be able to have that um, have that knowledge. And that's just again inefficient and not really scalable. So we're um, we're now looking at Fruitpro being like actually these are the steps these are the players these are the people you can speak to these are if you're looking for something in a certain country just search it may not exist um might not exist for your marketplace it might be like no yeah you know that's going to cost the average price of tomatoes is you know three euros a kilo to get tomatoes from argentina to spain is going to cost you seven euros a kilo it's just (laughs) an inefficient model i you know you can do it if you want if you want to lose money but you know who wants to do that and um that's that's kind of where we're stepping into right now that world of we can make informed decisions and uh, actually get the answers we're looking for and like going back to what i said earlier like when you're saying this i it makes me feel a little bit scared and a little bit insecure uh, mm-hmm. about like you know generally like as a as a mm-hmm. human being that needs food to survive you know like if you have a situation where some important grower or some important distributor for mm-hmm. some wild reason you know there, there could be many it could be a, a natural disaster it could be like what we have right now and this is mm. literally happened right now with the with the war yeah. um it could be like just like severe climate change it could be like a, a civil conflict because we don't have the infrastructure which is what you're building right for yeah. someone to replace right like the mm. whoever it is in the supply chain that they work with to get the fruit or and veg from from the farm to, to, to yeah. the shop or, or to the plate because mm-hmm. they don't there's no efficient system like it's as efficient as someone is good at i know going on google finding a bunch load of like suppliers calling them all up and not knowing Very if they're nice. even going to get it because they don't know who, who it is so it, yeah. so our system is like this like we're we're feeding what's well, like eight billion people like this mm-hmm. is like we're, we're feeding eight billion people and yeah. we have a system that is like one little thing goes wrong right yeah. and that might lead to hunger and starvation for how many like millions hundreds of millions we don't know because yeah, we, we exactly. don't even track this we don't even track this like well, no exactly. one's tracking this yeah, we, we we're not, we're not tracking anything no, we're not we tracking anything i mean i think as you know wow. like you say just thinking wow. about the players in the industry as well it's quite you know if you for whatever reason if if one food source gets cut off um where does the replacement come from how how do we efficiently do that and how do we effectively do that how do we educate consumers in that you know actually this product line that we used to have it's no longer an option for you guys your dietary requirements don't necessarily have to have this this is what your substitutes are and this is the reason why i think that's our most sustainable model in that yeah okay we're going to potentially not if we, if we look at it a different way but if we're not going hungry we're just going to have to be adaptable so if there is a lack of blueberries avocados or bananas that's just not going to be on your porridge if it's blueberries and bananas and you're not going to have mm-hmm. avocado on toast that's just mm-hmm. what's going to happen um mm-hmm. you need to be aware of the fact that you're going to have this when it's seasonally available to you um and that's 
I, I do believe there'll be a high tolerance for the consumer because you yourself, everybody, any sane person in the world anyway, is is obviously worried and concerned about the sustainability and the impact we have on the world and what what we need to do um, as responsible humans is to be like, right, okay, what can we do to optimize our own little section of the world? My section of the world is all fruit and veg. I love the product. I love the industry. But how do we how do we make it better? Like how how does that become an actual industry that's you know something where we can say answer your question if you were to say what would happen if like the biggest strawberry supplier in southern spain just cut just just left what would we do in spain how would we get our strawberries well the, the reality is is you'd get a certain amount from portugal certain amount from maybe france but the, their national market would take it up but reality is is that strawberries would just be less and you would eat more raspberries and blueberries mm -hmm. for an example that's just but that's that information pass right that's that sort of like this is what's going to happen and this is how we're going to deal with it and I, I think that's how we progress as um as an industry and um we can start to see pockets of opportunity to open up new 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 product even you know i love to see new fruits being de designed and you know coming into the marketplaces but it's it takes so long for that to happen but actually mm -hmm. It happened quite quickly if we just allowed it if we allowed that information to be like got a new product i think everyone would like it let's try it boom and it's it and it, and it hits the shelves and it hits the consumer then all of a sudden the consumer because the consumer drives everything right yeah the consumer drives the whole supply chain so yeah i think that's exciting also but um i'll give you an example for FruPro. first lockdown 2020 march the uk uh reynolds catering probably one of the biggest caterers in the uk uh, really really good business we've worked with them uh, in the past by wtu imports i just founded through pro and lockdown hit so hospitality and leisure's gone that's finished right <laughs> it's all shut but reynolds have still got product in their warehouses and product arriving because it's programmed and they had around 180,000 kilos of fresh fruit and veg, class one, very, very good quality that they didn't know what to do with. No idea. Now, they're based in the UK, which is one of the most densely populated um, countries in Europe or in the mm -hmm. world. Even. In the um, world. We've got fantastic networks of logistics. We've got a company that's really, really well placed, very, very well secu um, secured in its own marketplace still doesn't know what to do and this is that catacomalistic their programs just left obviously it's extreme they're like you know i get a phone call because i know them what do i do with this you know 10 lorries you're talking what was it it was uh something like 10 lorries 251 pallets of product mm -hmm. and so i said look i i'm actually doing a project right now called through probe this is perfect i don't want any money for it but let me just do this created a simple type form I broadcasted it to my wholesale network, which is UK wide. And mm -hmm. it was very much easy selection process. I want, I want, I want. We calibrated all of that for, together, redistributed it using third party transport, which is obviously paid for by the um, resale of the product. 100% of that product was resold back onto the wholesale environment. So that meant mm -hmm. that 180,000 kilos in 48 hours was picked up from a place that didn't know what to do with it, dropped to a place that needed it and was resold or distributed back into the food chain. And that one simple exercise from something with low tech and unscalable 
that saved, as I said, 180,000 kilos of product going in the bin and would have fed half a million people their five a day over that weekend. Now, wow. that's that's an extreme circumstance, and it's an amazing, and one of the most proudest moments for me without a product, and I did that on my own. What what we can do with something that is is scalable and has a strong technological base, I believe that we can surpass that so many times over and hear of these stories and hear of these, you know, macroeconomic influences that happen and we react to them positively. I, th I think that's our key. So to finish up the podcast, and it was really absolute pleasure. I've learned a Thank lot you. and I think we should do another one in the future. Absolutely. There's so many things we could dive into into more detail. Mm -hmm. But I want to finish up, finish it up with a really big question. It's actually a takeaway from mine from this podcast. And you tell me if you approve or if I'm correct. So do you believe that the solution to world hunger is not more money, but better communication? Do you 100%. believe it? I think so. I, I, holy, I truly believe holy that. Holy shit. Holy I shit. I mean, I this believe, is a big deal. I believe better communication and I believe better process actually solves more quickly and longer term. We need, don't get me wrong, I'm not being vanilla in my answer here. You know, investment is needed from government to government, of course. We need to support people who have zero. Like We need to support those, uh, those people and, and help where we can. We can only do that with absolutely streamlined optimal processes because what we're growing what we're trying to deliver to these people across the world is perishable we have to do it in the right way and that's that's the key to it it's information information and process so i tell you what william i'm a massive believer i'm a big believer and really best of luck i really hope proof succeeds i mean for Thank me you, it, it's one of the big things like uh people <laughs> starving you. in the world when we have a big obesity it's a clear indication that we're doing something wrong so thank you so much for solving it and it's been a pleasure to have you here and we'll talk again really soon thank Good you so much, so much have a lovely weekend mate take care of yourself all right you too ciao ciao all right bye bye